my Gavanin, and Svilai to all my elf friends. I am Tani Tenuvio, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. Welcome to What Would Arwen Do on this fair Wednesday morning, February 17th, 2016. And the beautiful music that you have been hearing is from the Academy Award winning music of Howard Shore's creation, musical creation of Middle Earth, the Academy Award winning music of Fellowship of the Ring. Welcome, and um, my goodness, here it is. I hope that you all survived with joy <laughs> the Hallmark holiday of weekend past and are entering in the sec- into the second half of the month of love. Welcome, and uh, let's see, what shall I say? You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We are broadcasting from the University of California in Irvine, which is so very much like the Shire of Middle Earth. The elf herself lives a little ways down the street, closer to the to the sea, because I am an ocean elf, in um more of an area like the Phallus or the Grey Havens. This is What Would Arwen Do? The show where we ask, I ask, if a Middle-earth elf lived today in Southern California, what would her life look like? How would she, as a modern-day elf, celebrate and support the arts, music, her community, and the preservation of Earth, or an elvish Arda? It's beauty resources and creatures. So I like to ask, as I've been asking for over a decade now, what would an elf do? And on this show, we ask, what would Arwen do? So we celebrate all things Tolkien and Middle Earth and C.S. Lewis and literature and music and all of those wonderful things. So here I am on Wednesday mornings, early morning. <laughs> is still a challenge for this elf. We are nighttime twilight creatures. And so I have a tendency to stay up too late sometimes, gazing at the stars, gazing at the moon, give us moon right now. If you'd like to contact me, I'd love to hear from you. And you can uh, reach me at askanelf, A-S-K-A-N-E-L-F at yahoo.com. And I would most sincerely love to hear from you. And if you have any ideas about Middle Earth, or maybe for the show, or who knows, just I'd love to hear from you. And you can find podcasts and information about this show, and pretty much all the public affairs shows of um, KUCI at our public affairs website, which is KUCITalk.org, or on our homepage at KUCI.org. You can go to archives, scroll down to podcasts, and look for What Would Arwen Do or your other favorite uh, public affairs shows. So I'm going to assume that perhaps you've been listening for a while or you have some interest in Middle Earth and have some idea of who Arwen was. She was an elf princess. And so the theme today really has uh, quite a bit to do with princesses. In an, in an odd sort of way, runaway princesses, to be um, more precise. 
In Tolkien's mythology, his elves represented what was best and noblest in humans. However, they were not without their faults and were not without their passions and failings. Um, so we're going to hear today the story that you may be familiar with, The Lord of the Rings and even The Hobbit and perhaps even The Silmarillion or some of the books of the history of Middle-earth. There's one story in particular that I've always liked. It's actually called Of Maeglin, but the story includes Maeglin. He is the son, but to me, I like to call it, um, I have like a subtitle. So it's Of Maeglin or The Story of the Runaway Princess. And why <clears throat> in the theme of Runaway Princesses today? Well, it's been a challenging week for the elf, not for me personally, but for friends, friends and family, and people that I care deeply about. And that may be the case with you. Sometimes some of the greatest challenges in our lives are not uh, personal challenges. It may not be our health that is compromised, but the health of a loved one which can bring as much or more pain than when we have our own health challenges. This is especially true at times when it's the uh, health challenge of a child. Um, any parent knows how, um, just how traumatic it can be when your child is very sick and you can do nothing. And sometimes when they're very young, you don't even know for sure other than to take their uh, temperature and see if they have a fever. Um, and also with our parents. Our parents go through things at times. We see them begin to fail um, mentally or physically, and it's very difficult, and we can't do anything about it. So, <clears throat> but love them. Love them through their trial. And so, and pray. So, this is, <clears throat> sorry, there's a bit of that, um, we have the wonderful Santa Ana's going on, Santa Ana winds going on here in Southern California, <clears throat> and they've reached even into the, even into the Elven home. So uh, I apologize for having to clear my throat so much this morning. For the podcast, I just want to let you know that any of the um, things that I play that are musical, music or copyrighted materials, I'll be playing something off of YouTube, will be edited out, but I will always tell you where you can find them, what the music is or what the, the YouTube video is so that you can look it up on your own. And <clears throat> so some people I know, I want to keep this anonymous, some people I know have a teenage daughter who has run away from home. And I believe that all the women of this planet are princesses of the Most High God. And <clears throat> we often, sometimes we run away. And she has run away with a friend. And it has been a little while. And so this program is dedicated to Princess Elle. And I don't know if she will be listening. But I believe that when things go out over the airwaves or in thought or in intention, it does make a difference. So this is for Princess Elle today. And my hope is that she and any other 
runaway princesses will come back home. So the other day, uh, someone made a comment, of, you know, well, she will come to her senses and she'll come home. And I thought, yeah, yeah. And then a couple of days ago, I woke up and I thought, no, she's not going to come to her senses and come home. I ran away when I was a child. I know that's really strange, but I was angry and I ran away and um, I did go back home. I did was brought back home, um, but I didn't come to my senses. Uh, it was a really difficult time at home uh, with in my family with my mother and um, I'm very grateful that I wasn't allowed to stay away because terrible things might have happened to me. But there were friends that gave me shelter, and um, and I think that sometimes that's not the best thing. I know, I mean, unless there's abuse involved with the child or the child is endangered in some way, um, we need to get them back home. So... Um, at times, though, it can seem you can may run away if you're angry or frustrated, but sometimes if you meet up with someone or if you run away with someone, you it can seem like an adventure, but it isn't an adventure that always ends well. So when I was thinking about, uh, well, she'll come to her senses and come home, and then I realized, no, she's not going to come to her senses and come home. The only way that we're going to get her home is to pray her home. And I think there were times when I was younger that that was probably the way that I was kept safe, was being wrapped in the prayers of those who loved me, even though I went through extended periods of very rough times in my younger years. And I know some people say, well, really, does prayer make a difference? And you can get into a whole theological and rational debate about whether or not prayer changes things. Do we really convince God by our petitions or by our whining or by our crying or fasting or praying or whatever it is that we uh, do? And I believe that it does. We don't always know. But I believe that C.S. Lewis can give us a little hint at why prayer might make a difference. And, of course, we are celebrating things of Middle-earth. One of my favorite parts of the tale of Aragorn and Arwen, which is in the appendix at the end of the book of The Lord of the Rings, is where it doesn't... It doesn't um, say this is prayer specifically, but I believe that it is. And this is when uh, El Arwen and Aragorn have betrothed themselves to each other. And then, um, well, I'll just read it. I'll read it for you because it's so beautiful. <clears throat> this is from Appendix A. It says, when Elrond learned the choice of his daughter, he was silent though his heart was grieved and found the doom long feared none the easier to endure. But when Aragorn came again to Rivendell, he called him to him and he said, My son, years come when hope will fade, and beyond them little is clear to me. And now a shadow lies between us. Maybe it has been appointed so, that by my loss the kingship of men may be restored. Therefore, 
Though I love you, I say to you, Arwen Undomiel shall not diminish her life's grace for less cause. She shall not be the bride of any man less than the king of both Gondor and Arnor. To me, then, even our victory can bring only sorrow and parting, but to you hope of joy for a while. Alas, my son, I fear that to Arwen the doom of men may seem hard at the ending. So it stood afterwards between Elrond and Aragorn, and they spoke no more of this matter. But Aragorn went forth again to danger and toil. And while the world darkened and fear fell on Middle-earth, as the power of Sauron grew and the Baradur rose ever taller and stronger, Arwen remained in Rivendell. And when Aragorn was abroad, from afar she watched over him in thought, and in hope she made for him a great and kingly standard, such as only one might display who claimed the lordship of the Numenorians and the inheritance of Elendil. So it says she watched over him in thought, and as she was making for him a standard for when he would become king, I believe that she was praying for him and praying that, in in her hope, that uh, he would be victorious. And this is even before they um, knew about the War of the Ring. So interesting that even then, though, she was making a great and kingly standard. That's like a, a beautiful flag. So <clears throat> there's a bit of prayer from the world of Middle-earth. And... So what about the runaway princess, though? So we're going to hear a little bit more about prayer in the second half of the program, and we'll be hearing from J.R.R. Tolkien's dear friend C.S. Lewis himself in one of the only surviving BBC addresses that he made. But in the meantime, I wanted to share with you the story of the runaway princess. So... Perhaps you know of a runaway child, or perhaps one of your children have run away, or you know someone whose children have run away for whatever reasons. It's, it's traumatic for all who love them, and especially for them, their parents. You feel so helpless because they're just out of your reach and you can't do anything. And so I hope you will keep those people in prayer, and hopefully by the end of the program, you will understand why it might be important to pray. So runaway princesses, um, the thing, one of the things is that, and I wanted to share with you from, oh my gosh, I have my books all over here. Sometimes we are enticed by the world. And I have a little reading, and these are from A Year with C.S. Lewis, daily readings from his classic works, and which I just love. But I wanted to uh, share with you, mm, what did I do with that? <clears throat> um, I have the dates here. So a lot of these are readings from miracles. There aren't actually readings from... Um, C.S. Lewis's Letters to Malcolm, Chiefly on Prayer, which is a wonderful book, and I have it somewhere 
in, um, it may have gotten moved to my storage space. The Elf One Day will have a library like in Rivendell with all the books of lore and wisdom. But for now, I have a very much smaller space, which I love, my little room up in the trees, but not so much room for the library. So things get cycled in and out of my uh, storage area, storage space. And I fear that that may have... uh, that particular book is in there. But it's a wonderful book on prayer. But uh, C.S. Lewis has some great things to say on prayer, even in many of his other writings. And so um, for those who are looking for things um, that they think is going to be a better situation than at home, or unfortunately... Sometimes when children run away, it's um, they think, oh, you know, they're enchanted with something in the world. They're going to go and they're going to find jobs and they're going to make a new life. Well, how do you do that when you're 16 or 17? You can do that when you're 18. You can go and you can do that, but not before then and not without great danger to yourself. There are people out there that prey on children and but you can become enchanted with the world. Perhaps you want freedom from schoolwork. Or, and being with a friend sometimes on that adventure can, you know, you would do things and go places that you would not just go on your own. And I think this is the case quite often for runaway children and the runaway princes and princesses. Perhaps there's drugs involved. You're the lure of drugs or alcohol. And so with regards to, though, this enchantment with the world and wanting pleasure, I want to read a little reading from C.S. Lewis. And this is from October 31st in, again, A Year with C.S. Lewis. And this is an excerpt from The Screwtape Letters. So The Screwtape Letters are a book that C.S. Lewis wrote about uh, dialogues between an elder demon to his nephew, a younger demon. So in this, when he uses the word the enemy, then he is talking about God. And in this particular reading, he's talking about um, screw tape and how it's important to twist the gift of pleasure. So he says here, this is screw tape, never forget that when we are dealing with any pleasure in its healthy and normal and satisfying form, we are in a sense on the enemy's ground. On God's ground, I know we have won many soul, many a soul through pleasure. All the same, it is His invention, not ours. He made the pleasures. All our research so far has not enabled us to produce one. All we can in, can do is to encourage the humans to take the pleasures which our enemy has produced at times or in ways, or in degrees which he has forbidden. Hence, we always try to work away from the natural condition of any pleasure to that in which it is least natural, least redolent of its maker, and least pleasurable. An ever-increasing craving for an ever-diminishing pleasure is the formula. It is more certain, and it's better style. To get the man's soul, or the princess's soul, and give him or her nothing in return. That is what really gladdens our father's heart, our father in this case being the devil. 
and the troughs are the time for beginning the process. So the enemy is saying pleasure, they can't create pleasure, that is God's creation, but they can distort it. So there, that's where drugs come in, especially an ever, as he puts an ever increasing craving for an ever diminishing pleasure is the formula. Eating too much food, we gain weight, we get sick, we develop eating disorders. Eating is a good thing, not when it becomes a disorder. Um, alcohol, a little wine, drink once in a while, maybe fine, especially, you know, not driving. But too much and too often, it becomes a problem. Work. Work is good. <laughs> it, we um, uh, support our families and um, are able to purchase things that we need and enjoy. Becoming a workaholic, not a good thing. So that has, you know, so for the young ones that run away seeking pleasure, it most likely will not end as they would like. So again, to pray, to pray for those who have run away from home. And so um, I wanted to share with you another story, and this from the Silmarillion. And I'm going to allow you to hear the reading. And oop, where did I put the... This is from um, an audio box set of CDs, The Silmarillion, uh, by J.R.R. Tolkien, edited and brought to us by Christopher Tolkien. We would not even have this were it not for the work of his son, uh, Christopher Tolkien. So a great debt, I believe, that we have to him. So um, oop, here in the liners, I believe it should say who is doing the reading. I didn't bring the box with me because it's a large box set. I will find that out. Oh, it's uh, Martin Shaw. Yes, and so we're going to hear the story of Maglind, or as I like to call it, the story of the runaway princess. So this is Arathel Arfeniel, and she is one of the Noldor who have come back from the Undying Lands. So when the Noldor come back to try to uh, vanquish Morgoth and regain the Silmarils, and she's staying in Turgon with the Elven King, uh, in Gondolin with her um, brother, the Elven King Tur Turgon. And uh, she grows restless of being in that beautiful kingdom and wants to um, find some other of her kin. And so I'm going to play the first part of that story for you. And I hope that you will enjoy it. Um, this is from the Silmarillion. And this is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Of Meglin. Arathel Arfeniel, the White Lady of the Noldor, daughter of Fingolfin, dwelt in Nevrast with Torgon, her brother, and she went with him to the Hidden Kingdom. But she wearied of the guarded city of Gondolin. And you've been listening to the tale of Meglin from the Silmarillion. And 
So some of you may say, oh, I had no idea there were such exciting adventures in the history of Middle Earth. The Silmarillion can be a bit of a challenge of a book to, um, because there are so many, such a large cast of characters and of people and adventures, and they all are interwoven. And to add even more of a challenge sometimes to enjoying them, people's names change and places that they um, have adventures in change. So, um, but I would invite you to uh, delve into it. It is well worth the, it is well worth the work. So I apologize for the little bit of that (laughs) wonderful little sound that we have in the background here in the studio. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and for the podcast that will be edited out, um, it's from the CD audio set of The Silmarillion, and you can find that at your local bookstore. So we're going to have a little bit of music, and then we'll be right back with more of What Would Arwen Do?, Oh, you may be wondering what the story of Eretzel has to do, really, with the um, the story of the runaway princess. Well, what ends up happening is that she finds herself in the forest of Nan Elmuth and meets Eol, Eol, the dark elf, and kind of becomes under an enchantment, and she stays there with him. He dwells only in the twilight. He shuns the sun, and so, but they ride at night under the stars, but um, she grows weary of that. She has a son, and she wants to see her own people, and the story, so she ends up running away again, and the story, um, well, you'll have to you'll have to find out what happens to her and to her son Maglin and to Eol the Dark Elf. So it's a very interesting story. The so if you look in the Silmarillion, it's called of Maglin, and uh, but to me, it's the story of the runaway princess. So he did elves do love to walk in starlight and in twilight. I personally do. I find the the sun to be quite harsh at times. And so I prefer the early morning hours, the hours of twilight just before dark. And walking in twilight at night, especially when there's a lovely full moon, um, gives plenty of light to walk by, especially along the beach or along the cliffs of the phallus. So we're going to hear from the feast... Uh, um, the Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog, again, music composed by Howard Shore for the movie The Hobbit, and we will hear The Feast of Starlight, which has Tariel's theme. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.
This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I am Tani Tanuvial, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf, and you have been listening to The Feast of Starlight. Music by Howard Shore created for the world of Middle Earth, and how grateful I am for all the musical world that he created for J.R.R. Tolkien's grand mythology, his grand fairy story. So thank you for being here and listening, if you are listening. And I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email missive at askanelf at yahoo.com. This morning we are talking a bit about runaway princesses and prayer and what they might have to do with each other. So at the beginning, I shared a little bit about uh, from A Year with C.S. Lewis. I'm actually going to read something else to you. And I'm going to play from for you CS, one of C.S. Lewis's uh, only surviving BBC radio addresses. So many of those had to be erased because this was during wartime. Um, he... Uh, Okay, I'm going to, am I going to play? Well, I'm going to read first from October 21st from Miracles. And this is an excerpt from C.S. Lewis. It says, most of our prayers, if fully analyzed, ask either for a miracle or for events whose foundation will have been laid before I was born, indeed laid when the universe began. But then to God, though not to me, I and the prayer I make in 1945 were just as much present at the creation of the world as they are now and will be a million years hence. God's creative act is timeless and timelessly adapted to the, quote, free elements within it. But this timeless adaptation meets our consciousness as a sequence and prayer and answer. So I think for... Some of us, at least it has been for me, to understand the concept of whether or not prayer makes any difference. And I used to like to console myself with saying, well, it makes a difference for me because um, it makes a difference to me because I feel like at least I've done something. I've sent some good energy out into the world. And, you know, I don't know if I convinced God to make a difference. Um, But I think if you understand the sense of timelessness and that God is not like us. <laughs> um, he is not, he, he does not exist within a time realm where things happen sequentially. <clears throat> and so this is what C.S. Lewis is going to be, uh, is going to share with you about this morning from one of his BBC radio addresses. So this is from YouTube. If you look it up, it's C.S. Lewis's surviving BBC radio address. And it is actually on prayer and evolution. We are going to hear the part on prayer. And then when we come back, we'll have a little bit more discussion. So hang in there, if you will, because guess what? I think our prayers really do make a difference. And I hope that you will find that too. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I will have to edit this out for the podcast, but you can find it on YouTube, and I hope that you will enjoy it now. It's going to start with some music, and I will read to you what it says. It says, C.S. Lewis in his own words. During the war years... A war-weary and bedraggled population drew inspiration from these addresses and made the Oxford Dawn a beloved name among many. These talks were later compiled into a book entitled Mere Christianity. 
Woefully, because of the war effort, most of the audio reels were recycled and the world lost forever a chapter of man's heritage. But one survived. And I have compiled this talk for you. So this is the person who put this up here. As Lewis himself spoke them long ago. In these talks, I've had to say a good deal about prayer. And before going on to my main subject tonight, I'd like to deal with a difficulty some people find about the whole idea of prayer. This is KCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. You have been listening to C.S. Lewis's surviving BBC radio address on the topic of prayer. And that... um, can be found on YouTube. And so, again, this idea of does prayer make a difference is I think we can grasp it better if we get a sense of the concept of timelessness for God, which is may not seem like timeless, but we may be thinking of it as sequential. So there's another, I'm going to read one more. Um, coming up in just a few minutes, Writers on Writing, and one of my favorite people, Barbara DeMarco Barrett, is in the house. So, October 28th, and again, this is from A Year with C.S. Lewis, daily readings from his classic works. I think you might love it if you care to pick it up. And this is again on prayer, an excerpt from his book, Miracles. He says, when we are praying about the results, say, of a battle or a medical consultation, the thought will often come across our minds that, if only we knew it, the event is already decided one way or the other. I believe this to be no good reason for ceasing our prayers. The event certainly has been decided. In a sense, it was decided, quote, before all worlds. But one of the things taken into account in deciding it, and therefore one of the things that really caused it to happen, may be this very prayer that we are now offering. Thus, shocking as it may sound, I conclude that we can at noon become part causes of an event occurring at 10 a.m., two hours earlier. Some scientists would find this easier than popular thought does. The imagination will, no doubt, try to play all sorts of tricks on us at this point. It will ask, that if I stop praying, can God go back and alter what has already happened? No, the event has already happened, and one of its causes had been the fact that you are asking such questions instead of praying. It will ask, then if I begin to pray, can God go back and alter what has already happened? No, the event has already happened and one of its causes is your present prayer. Thus, something really does depend on my choice. My free act contributes to the cosmic shape. That contribution is made in eternity, or, quote, before all worlds. But my consciousness of contributing reaches me at a particular point in the time series. So, something to ponder. And you can find that in... C.S. Lewis's book of um, miracles, or this also is in A Year with C.S. Lewis, daily readings from his classic works. And I am almost out of time. I wanted, um, on closing, I am going to share a beautiful song with you by Casting Crowns. 
um, who am I? And I hope it will remind you of who you are and who all the princes and princesses of this world, the beloved children of God, that's who we are, created by him and for him for love. And so, yes, I think I will have time to do this. I wanted to read one more story. And this is for Princess L and for all of the runaway children. And it's a story of the runaway bunny by Margaret Wise Brown. And this is the truth. It says, once there was a little bunny who wanted to run away. So he said to his mother, I am running away. If you run away, said his mother, I will run after you, for you are my little bunny, for you are my little princess. If you run after me, said the little bunny, I will become a fish in a trout stream, and I will swim away from you. If you become a fish in a trout stream, said his mother, I will become a fisherman, and I will fish for you. If you become a fisherman, said the little bunny, I will become a rock on the mountain high above you. If you become a rock on the mountain high above me, said his mother, I will be a mountain climber, and I will climb to where you are. If you become a mountain climber, said the little bunny, I will be a crocus in a hidden garden. If you become a crocus in a hidden garden, said his mother, I will be a gardener, and I will find you. If you are a gardener and find me, said the little bunny, I will be a bird and fly away from you. If you become a bird and fly away from me, said his mother, I will be a tree that you come home to. Hmm, if you become a tree, said the little bunny, I will become a little sailboat and I will sail away from you. If you become a sailboat and sail away from me, said his mother, I will become the wind and blow you where I want you to go. If you become the wind and blow me, said the little bunny, I will join a circus and fly away on a flying trapeze. If you go flying on a flying trapeze, said his mother, I will be a tightrope walker, and I will walk across the air to you. If you become a tightrope walker and walk across the air, said the bunny, I will become a little boy and run into a house. If you become a little boy and run into a house, said the mother bunny, I will become your mother and catch you in my arms and hug you. Shucks, said the bunny, I might as just as well stay where I am and be your little bunny. And so he did. Have a carrot, said the mother bunny. And so, for the runaway bunnies and the runaway princesses, we will find you and we will bring you home. And if we can't physically find you, we will pray you home. <laughs> so please, take heart, loved ones, if you know of runaway princes or princesses, that prayer will make a difference. I am Tawny Tanuviel. This has been What Would Arwen Do? I hope you will stay with us coming up in just about four minutes. Writers on Writing with Barbara Marco de Barrett. And you can catch this hopefully on podcast a little bit later. I would love to hear from you. Ask an elf at yahoo.com. Until next week, I will say, and Namaria. This is KUCI in Irvine, the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth. <laughs>